podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. And welcome back to the Rock Shock podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are taking a look at the Kansas football program, what has happened since spring football has started. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the spring preview, talk, take a look at all the transfer portal stuff that's happened, um, and kind of what to expect going into the summer months here. To help me do that, coming back to the podcast for the second time, uh, it is Jordan Gusky. He is over at the Topeka Capital Journal over in Topeka. Jordan, how are you doing today? Living the dream, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, not a problem. I know that it was kind of an abbreviated episode last time that we had you on. Uh, so I definitely wanted to get you back here. We'll we'll kind of start with some football stuff, and if we have time, we'll we'll get to some of the basketball stuff. Because let me tell you, it's been some some pretty exciting stuff that's happening, obviously, since the last time we talked. Um, but wanting to take a look at football because it's been a while since we focused on what happened. We still haven't done a, a proper kind of wrap up of that spring preview. Let, let's just go ahead and start there. You were out at the spring preview, uh, the showcase there. I watched it on ESPN Plus after the fact. Um, but what was the one thing or? I guess if, if there's more than one thing, but the main things that kind of jumped out to you from that preview. Yeah. You know, I think with any spring preview, there's going to be, you know, some good and some bad shouldn't take too, too much from it. Um, but if there are good things, you know, point them out there, bad things, point them out, but you know, don't be a prisoner of the moment, but I thought Jalen looked really good. Obviously he made some mistakes, but I think overall Jalen looked really good. Like he can be a QB one for that offense for that team moving forward in the fall. But, you know, even with that, I thought Jason, had some moments as well, and I thought showcased just an athleticism, a speed, and ability that even if he's not the starting quarterback, you know, got to find some way to get him on the field in the fall, however that may be. And, you know, also Jared Casey just looked really good. I know he's sort of a, you know, people might just remember him because of the 2-1 conversion against Texas down there in Austin, but I think just like he showed throughout the remainder of the 2021 season and then at the spring preview event, you know, he's got a lot of talent. You know, he deserves to you know be out there on the field uh, when these games are going on in 2022. Yeah. So, I mean, let's let's start, obviously, at, at the quarterback position. You're talking about Jalen Daniels. I thought he you know, I, I I agree. He actually looked really good. Yes, he had that interception on the very first throw that he threw. But I, I do think that was just as much of a good defensive read as it was him making an actual mistake. Um, You know, and it's one of those things if you're in a spring preview. Like the idea isn't necessarily just to showcase your offense, right? Like you don't want a situation where the offense is doing everything and the defense is back on their heels the entire time. Like it's actually a good sign if your quarterback, you know, potentially makes a few mistakes that the defense is able to capitalize on. Obviously you don't want it too far one way or the other, but you know, the fact that you did see a lot of good from Jalen Daniels to go with the couple of mistakes that he did make. Um, you know, I don't think that's like, you don't just like, 
when when people look at Patrick Mahomes in you know uh, in in summer like the the summer workouts that they have, if he's throwing a few picks, like you don't you don't freak out about that, you don't worry about that because that means that the other side of the ball is actually doing some good things. You know, I would definitely be worried if he was if that's all he was doing all afternoon long. He just didn't look good at all. But there were a lot of really good throws. I also think that kind of the way that he was able to to perform showed pretty well on the wide receiving core as well. Um, you know, that was kind of one of the the big question marks that we had going into last season, especially kind of like halfway through, like who, you know, was going to be the main guys that were going to be catching the ball from the quarterbacks. Um, you know, I thought they actually showed out pretty well. I thought Lawrence Arnold had a really good spring preview. There was a few other quarter or a few other wide receivers. I thought that that played really well, which I think bodes well for, you know, for that, that unit going into next year, which is going to be something that the quarterbacks are going to need, whether it is Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean, that's, that's throwing. Yeah. And I think something that's important to remember too, is I, I don't remember exactly how many sort of live, you know, scrimmage, uh, you know, periods Kansas had during its spring ball practices, but there's always the potential that that spring game, spring preview event is going to be the closest to live that defense is going to have a chance to do uh, in across spring ball. So maybe an offense is, was getting a certain amount of looks just because of what the defense was sort of allowed to do in terms of physicality. And then during that spring game, they can take it a step up. Offense has to adjust. And maybe you see some more mistakes with the defense playing better. Um, just because there's sort of maybe an adjustment there. But yeah, you know, I think there are, you know, good things on both sides of the ball for sure. Yeah, for sure. And then you were talking about Jason Bean. I, I, I do agree. I think that he brings a lot to this offense, whether it's a, you know, Tory Lachlan type of role where it's a, a running back that can also throw. Um, Bean has actually indicated a willingness to play in that type of role, whether that's what they actually use him for or not. I do agree with you that, that you have to find ways to get him on the field for at least some sort of types of plays. Um, you also don't want it to be like obvious that if he comes in, he's the one throwing the ball. So getting him into a, a type of position where you can either have both him and Jalen Daniels on the field at the same time to, uh, you know, throw in some extra misdirection or really whatever you wanted to do. I know Kansas had shown a willingness last year to, you know, put themselves in a situation where you have a guy that can actually throw the ball in at that running back position. Unfortunately, Lachlan got hurt last year doing that, you know, running the ball. Um, so it's, you know, it's one of those things where I definitely think that Bean has a role for a, a decent amount of snaps. Um, but I don't think there's really any question though, coming into the season that Jalen Daniels is going to be QB one. Yeah. And no, I, I think, um, yeah, in the first, uh, first availability that Lance had, uh, around spring ball or maybe first or second around there, um, when he was talking about Jalen and Jason, he said, you know, it's, you know, it's open, but everyone understands what Jalen did at the end of last season. And you sort of mentioned momentum and Jalen was obviously a, a big part of that. Just if you're going to use Jason, uh, like I guess I'm saying, uh, they try to find a way do, uh, to do that. Just got to make sure that you have confidence uh, in the other backup quarterbacks that you have, because, you know, we saw last season just how quickly that team's quarterback depth could be hurt uh, and how quickly that happened. So just got to have confidence in those guys. And as long as you do, Hey man, use Jason, try to win some football games. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and that is definitely one of those things, right? That Kansas especially knows is that you have to have another guy that can step up and actually do something. So, um, you know, Kansas getting to their third string quarterback, you know, fairly early, I think in general in, in the season, um, 
yeah, you definitely have to be ready for that eventually for, for the possibility that you're not going to have your number one guy there the entire time. And, and I do think that Kansas has a decent number of options, right? Like they have, they have a couple young guys as well in that quarterback room that if it, if push really came to shove, they could throw them in and, you know, bring them along a little bit. We obviously hope that that never actually gets to that point, but, um, okay. So kind of other things to come out. Actually, you, you talked about Jared Casey, um, you know, I do think that the emergence of Jared Casey is kind of one of those super important things that, that ultimately I think ends up being bigger for the program and the way the program works than a lot of people are, you know, thinking. Cause like nationwide, everyone's like, yeah, great story. You know, walk on is able to, to, you know, have a big play like that and, you know, get an NIL deal with Applebee's and all that stuff and, you know, kind of be somewhat productive. But I think the other thing that it kind of shows is the ability of Leipold to find guys that aren't necessarily, you know, highly touted. They can develop them, get them to points where they can be successful. Now, granted, I don't think that you're going to get a lot of walk-ons are going to be as successful as Jared Casey was last year. And the fact that he's worked himself kind of into position to be a regular contributor, like that's not something that you're going to see very often. But if you're going to take a program like the Jayhawks that have been as far down as they have in kind of the hierarchy of how college football works, it's going to take identifying those guys, finding ways to, you know, get those kind of diamonds in the rough and getting them to somewhere where they can actually contribute to take the program from where it was to where they want it to be. Um, you know, is, is there anyone else that you have kind of seen so far or anyone else that you think potentially has the ability to kind of emerge in that they were maybe not quite so highly touted, but it, it seems like this, the staff, you know, is really thinking well of them and is expecting them to take on a bigger role than, than you might think. Um, I guess uh, I started thinking about the running backs, but when you said they weren't highly touted, I guess really a bunch of those running backs uh, came with a lot of expectations. So I guess I wouldn't say them. And I guess, I guess I'll talk about the receivers just because I guess yeah, we, fair. you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, we're all sort of looking to see which guys emerge, you know, maybe outside of Lawrence. I, I don't know. Luke Grimm comes to mind just as someone who could potentially have a, you know, a breakout season in, in 2022. I know they brought in, uh, transfer from Minnesota. They could bring in more transfers or at least one to help that room even further, um, depending on how some of these visits go and all that. But it just feels like Luke just has a skill set that can be really valuable um, to that team, especially if you got Lawrence having a season that people probably expect him to. I think Luke um, could have a breakout season as well. And I don't know. He, maybe he doesn't totally fit because he definitely played a good amount last season and produced a lot. But that's when, when you talk about that, it's some guy who can maybe take that really next step. Uh, Luke, someone who comes to mind on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, I do think as well, Douglas, Emmeline, that you were talking about the the transfer from Minnesota. Like, I, I definitely think that some of those guys, even the running backs, would would kind of fit just because you know they are guys that yes, they were highly touted coming out of high school in some cases, but they they definitely didn't perform the way that you would have expected them right in their last stop. And the fact that they were available on the transfer market, I was a little surprised to have both of those running backs come in, especially when you already have you know, the guys that you have here. Uh, so that is an absolutely stacked running back room coming up for next year, which is, which is absolutely huge. It's going to be really good for this team, kind of that, that safety valve. Um, but I, I do agree with you. I think there are a lot of wide receivers that could potentially break out this year. Luke Grimm is, I've been really high on him since I watched him in the freshman season. I um, mean, kind of that, that chemistry that he had with Jalen Daniels to kind of see, you know, I, I see him more as kind of like that possession type receiver that you really need to have, especially if, if Arnold's going to be the guy that's going to try to go deep. Um, so he brings another kind of facet to the way that this offensive attack is going to go, trying to, to really move the ball down the field. It's, it's hard for me to not get 
too excited about this team, right? Because this is a team I think that has, while they are young, they um, definitely need some development. It feels like when you look up and down the roster that they have the the potential, right, in all of the different players, that they all hit all the kind of things that you need to have a successful offense in college football. The real question is just how well are they going to perform? Um, you know, what kind of development are you going to see throughout the season? But I don't look at this roster and think that there's any glaring holes on either side of the ball, with the exception of, of a couple things that have kind of been identified. I think offensive line is always kind of something you worry about. Like you always wonder if you have enough bodies, especially since there's injuries and, you know, Kansas had, had a few, well, quite a few of the offensive linemen that they had last year kind of move on in one fashion or another. Um, and then the other one being cornerbacks because that was something that the defensive staff specifically called out as part of the spring practices, um, you know, and, and those, uh, those uh, press conferences that they had afterwards. Have you seen anything in either of those two positions that would kind of, I guess, help someone who is kind of worried about those positions as being potential holes for this team? Yeah. Well, I think if you take, um, you know, the, the spring preview events, just one thing. So it's, like you said, you can't be really a prisoner of the moment, but if you take what Leipold has been saying, at different points or at least once during the you know spring practice time frame was that, you know, they thought well of what that first group of offensive linemen were doing, but we're looking for some more consistency and just more out of the second and third groups. So I guess if someone was worried about those groups, I guess I would point to the recruits that they're bringing in that, you know, at the very worst help with depth. Uh, and maybe that pushes those guys in second, third units to do better. Uh, maybe those guys take the places of other guys in the second and third units. And then, Best case scenario in the world uh, for those recruits is for some of them to even challenge for starting positions. I, I'm not saying any of those additions that they've they've added from the transfer portal are do that. Buffalo raised former Buffalo guys pretty quickly uh, on that offensive line to play significant snaps. Um, so maybe DeAndre's in line with that, if in line for that, if not this year, but. Um, maybe next year because um, he's clearly got a lot of talent can develop. So at least with the offensive line, I'd say that. And then with sort of the secondary as a whole, they've obviously added some transfers um, who, like you've been mentioning, were highly tatted out of high school, got some guys on visits this week, could potentially add to that room even further um, with some more talent. So the, the talent's getting in there, just a matter of how much it develops and how quickly it develops to see what 2022 can be. But I, I can understand why. Um, people like yourself and other fans have, uh, you know, a lot of excitement around this team uh, after the 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely one of those things, especially when you think about where this team was last year, right? Like coming out of spring preview, out of all the spring practices, you had a brand new coach, didn't really know how they were going to incorporate that system over the summer. You had a lot of talented guys that it was pretty clear weren't getting utilized correctly by the last staff. You know, that was one of kind of one of the big things, kind of one of the big takeaways. Um and, and I think that was kind of backed up throughout the season, right? As you saw the, the, the team this last season develop and get much better and guys being put in different situations. Like, I think if, if you have a, a, or the most legitimate criticism of the way that Les Miles ran his staff was that they, they weren't necessarily very good at identifying who the best people to plug in at certain spots were, especially on the offensive end. You saw a much more consistent, I think, and a much more, um, I guess, detail-oriented approach to finding out where guys needed to be and making sure that they were actually doing what they needed to. Um, you know, you you talked about consistency. That was a mantra that we heard from Leipold and staff in the first year. And again, was a complete opposite of what we saw from Les Miles, that Miles seemed to be much more about who can give me the biggest upside, even if they're not very consistent in the middle. Um, and so it was very, I think, refreshing to kind of see that, yeah, 
you know, the season didn't start out very well, but what we saw, we knew wasn't going to get worse throughout the season, right? That we were still, still seeing that same sort of thing. And it definitely seems from, from everything that I've seen in the off season so far, everything they're talking about and kind of the standards that they've set for the guys that they have, that they're still being extremely consistent with that. And they're looking to build upon that. Um, I, I definitely agree that like the, the, the transfer market is going to be really crucial for this, for this cornerback and for the defensive secondary. Um, you know, they actually talked about that, that they were out looking for guys. And, you know, I, I do think that there were definitely people that were kind of concerned about the number of transfers that Kansas had, um, coming out of the spring preview. I believe there was 11 different players that transferred almost immediately after the spring preview. I think that number included Lawrence Arnold though, who, who ended up pulling his name back after, before even actually entering the transfer portal. Um, what, were there any players that were, that decided to leave that, um, you know, that people should really be concerned about or, or anyone that really surprised you? Or was it all kind of stuff that you could see coming just by looking at the way that people were playing during the spring preview stuff? Well, I, I wouldn't, again, not being a prisoner a moment, I, I wouldn't base that on how the spring preview event went. I would just look at it based on. Um, or, or yeah, I, I guess more like all of spring practices or, or kind of like yeah, the way no, they've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I think I'd look at it. I think only one of the guys who transferred away ended up at another Power 5 program. I don't think many, if any, of the guys had played significant snaps outside of Lawrence, like you mentioned, who ended up not transferring um, in the end. So I, there are always going to be players who are going to try to find uh, better opportunities for themselves elsewhere, better playing time elsewhere. Um, sometimes they find that at a same level. Sometimes they have to go to maybe from Power 5 down to Group of 5 or something like that, or from Group of 5 to a different level. But I, I think the, in that way, I guess it wasn't totally surprising because the guys they lost weren't necessarily guys who were playing a, a ton, but it did hurt depth. So it was something that they had to address to bring in other guys. And I think they've continued to do that. And they're obviously still recruiting and continue to, to add more. But no, I overarching to your question, I don't think outside of Lawrence, I don't think many of the moves, if any, were necessarily that surprising and because they weren't really key contributors uh, for the team during Leipold's tenure. Yeah, I, I think that that's a fair statement. And, you know, definitely losing depth is not a great thing, but they are depth for a reason. They weren't probably expected to be top end. And if you look at most of the, you know, teams that Kansas would be trying to upset, the way that you're going to upset a lot of these teams, potentially, if, if you're able to pull it off, is by your frontline guys, you know, completely or performing extremely well and being able to do that consistently over the, over the course of an entire game. Um, you're not going, you don't have the kind of depth or the kind of talent in your depth to be able to rotate a whole bunch of guys and have them all performing at a high enough level to be able to upset a team like an Oklahoma or a Baylor or something to that effect. So I, you know, if, if you're, if you're looking at what the baseline is for this team going into the year, I think losing some of that depth is not necessarily great for building for the future. If you can't replace it, it's not necessarily great for, you know, those games that are kind of toss-ups where you would expect to have to go deep into your bench to kind of make sure that everybody, or, you know, it's obviously an issue if they start to get injuries, but if you're looking for opportunities for this Kansas team to surprise some people, um, you're going to, like, it's not going to affect the ability of your frontline starters to jump up and surprise people the way that they did against Texas this last year. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, anything else from this team, anything else from the kind of spring preview um, or even from the transfer portal that really kind of jumps out to you as, as something that we need to talk about before we move on? No, I, mean, I think it's just been uh, impressive. I think last time I looked, the, the transfer portal rankings had them at least for 24-7. I think it was like 27th, something like that in the nation for the transfer portal rankings. Obviously different teams 
have different philosophies with recruiting, but I think it's, uh, you know, it has to show up on the field, obviously, but I, I think it, it's, it's okay to say it's been impressive, the different types of talent that they've been able to bring in from the transfer portal. And now it's just a matter of, you know, how does that show up on the field uh, this summer and in the fall? And as they try to move this program forward. Yeah, for sure. So, so looking ahead to the summer and going into next season, what should Kansas fans really be expecting? Like, are we expecting to hear a lot about what's going on or as we get into like the, the fall camp, which is happening during the summer, but like looking at fall camp, are there, are there any particular um, position races that they should really be looking at or anything like super interesting that, that should pique the, the fans interest? Uh, yeah, I think just the, Battle for playing time that secondary is going to be, you know, a really curious thing to watch because obviously there's young talent that played a lot uh, this past season, uh, whether it's, you know, OJ Burroughs and others who are younger members of that secondary who played significant snaps. Um, so that'll be interesting to see with the different transfers that are brought in, if there are more transfers brought in, how that works. Because um, it seems like, you know, Kenny's a pretty entrenched starter, um, but who else is going to be among that? I know they had, a, you know, certain rotation of about three guys, I think it was um, late there in spring ball, but maybe different additions different emergencies change that. So I think the secondary is going to be really curious to watch. And also that running back room, like we talked about, you know, who's going to be the number one option. Is it going to be Devin? Is it going to be Kai or Sevion? Um, or maybe even someone else on the roster, who knows? There's a lot of time, um, but it seems like it might be one of those three guys. Cause I know Andy has said multiple times that, you know, they want fans to know, I think like three names. So I think those are two things that'll be really curious to watch um, as, you know, as the fall progresses, those two I guess, groups of positions. Uh, and who emerges and who's going to be you know, relied upon most when that season kicks off against Tennessee Tech. Right, yeah. All right, well, we will go ahead and leave football there for now then. Um, I do want to go ahead and take uh, a few minutes to kind of talk about some basketball stuff because who doesn't like to talk about basketball when it comes to Kansas? But before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother... Jeremy J and Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys. Homefield Apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies. I'm actually wearing one. I just got I uh, got a Houston one. Uh, you know, I, I got a bunch of different Big 12 ones, and I really am enjoying that part of what I do over the 1012 podcast. But they have a national championship shirt over at Homefield. It is absolutely fantastic. I have one that's supposed, supposed to be on the way. Uh, I have to check in on that order, but I will be making sure that I get one, and you can do it as well. Um, it's a It's a great shirt. It's a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy the logo that they have. And while there's a ton of great things out there, Homefield is, has, you know, the best shirts. Like they are so comfortable. I absolutely love them. You too can go ahead and get your hands on one and get it at a discount. Save 15% off your entire order. Not only that shirt, but any of the other shirts that you want. Uh, just use promo code chalk 12, get that 15% off the entire order and you get, and all orders over a hundred dollars get free shipping. Look, you're going to want home field stuff as we get into the summer months where it gets nice and hot. These are really nice shirts to have for that. And they look absolutely fantastic. So again, head on over to homefieldapparel.com, promo code chalk 12, save 15% off your entire first order and all orders over a hundred dollars get free shipping. And we're back. I'm here with uh, Jordan Gusky of the Topeka Capital Journal. We are chatting about, or we just got done chatting about the Kansas football team and are now going to go ahead and talk about Kansas basketball, because again, we are Kansas basketball is kind of a way of life here with for the Jayhawks. And, um, you know, you, you haven't been on the Kansas beat for very long, obviously. 
Um, but I am kind of curious, what was it like coming in and covering a team, a basketball team that made a run like this? Um, so, so deep in the tournament to win a championship. Yeah, I think I guess just professionally, I was really grateful to be able to cover something like that so soon uh, on this beat. You know, obviously it has a very storied history, um, in terms of success and to be able to, to cover one of those runs, uh, I think was, you know, really cool to be. Um, as close as I did. So that was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, sorry, what was your, what was your question? Sorry, I blanked. Oh, no, no, you actually answered it. So, um, I mean, obviously the big story of the season was the national championship. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have you here on our season finale to kind of talk about some of the other stories that happened, um, with, with the basketball team as we do with, you know, every single year. But, um, were there any other kind of stories like that really kind of jumped out to you? as either big ones that you really enjoy talking about or ones that you think kind of shape the way that you were able to cover and kind of the way people are going to talk about this team? Um, you know, I, I guess, um, you know, seeing Christian sort of, you know, people were talking about, you know, obviously Ochai, Remy and other guys a lot. And then seeing Christian sort of just emerge over the course of that season into someone who is now potentially going to be a first round pick. Uh, I know he's being talked, he's been talking about different stages over the course of the season, but seeing him emerge um, really into that potential first round talent was really uh, interesting to watch because he was, you know, really consistent over the course of the season. Obviously there was someone with more confidence on that team than him <laughs> point, point me to him. Cause he obviously showcased that a lot, whether it was in that road game in Kansas state or, you know, in that March run there uh, with whatever the words he was yelling at the fans there in new Orleans. Um, he was, it was definitely uh, cool to follow that journey. And, you know, obviously Remy, the ups and downs of that year, uh, and then him coming through in March, as he had said um, to the staff and teammates that, you know, just wait for March and he definitely delivered. And obviously, Ochai, things got tougher for him at different points of the season. His teams, you know, sort of started to hone in on him. Still very impressive year. And obviously, he's going to be a first-round pick as well. Yeah, I think that's one of the kind of craziest things is kind of thinking about the way that all of these guys um, – yeah, it's just – it is definitely kind of weird to think about how – well this team gelled going into the tournament and how different players have been able to really kind of establish themselves, get themselves set up for, you know, what, what potentially could come. Uh, you know, I am kind of, I am definitely, and, and we talked about this last week on one of our episodes, you know, in terms of Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson, I could see a good argument for either of those guys coming back. Um, I could also see lots of arguments for them to go ahead and leave. I think which one's, actually come back or which ones leave are going to go a long way to determining what this team looks like next year. Um, but it'll definitely be interesting, but I don't want to really focus too much on next year or on the NBA draft. We'll, we'll be talking more about that as we, as we kind of go, just, um, you know, taking a look at this roster at this team and kind of what they did this season. Were there any players that you felt didn't get the sort of uh, recognition that they potentially deserved coming in here, whether it's a, uh, you know, one of the bench guys that from what you can tell was doing really well in practice or, or went a long way or a guy that, you know, kept up the energy on the bench during the games that didn't really get a spotlight or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I think at different points, just how ready, you know, Zach and KJ were, you know, they didn't get a ton of minutes at different points, but, you know, KJ had the Texas tech game where he was really instrumental in getting the double OT win. Zach had that home game against Oklahoma. Uh, after he was coming off an injury, those freshmen, although they didn't get a ton of minutes, obviously Bobby had a season end because of an injury. 
uh, Kyle redshirted, and I think he was even hurt at some point as well. But seeing at least Zach and KJ being as ready as they were, I think that was important. And I think that's one reason that those are, you know, two to three guys, I think, on the returners, you know, as, as we know the returners as of now, um, that can be among guys that really emerge in bigger roles next year. On um, You know, I think Bobby can be one of those three and have a really big role next year as long as he's healthy. So I think those two guys, um, you should definitely, you know, sort of note how well they were able to do. And I think, you know, Mitch was a really important presence. Um, you know, I'm not saying he was the best player on the floor in some of those nights, but he was, you know, some of the times when David was struggling, he was delivering. Uh, he was someone that he could go to at times, uh, and he was, like I said, delivering. So uh, I think those are a few different guys who – I think they – you know, it's a national championship winning team, so I think a lot of these guys get, you know, their due uh, as they should. But I think those are three guys that definitely, if you're talking, you know, not the starters, maybe not that first six, if you include Remy, um, that should really get um, some worthwhile praise for what they will do for this team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it it, it is one of those things, too. I don't think we'll ever really know – you know, which guys in terms of on the bench, um, which guys in practice really did a lot of things to kind of help these guys develop. And, you know, it is, it is definitely one of those things. It happens with, with, uh, the Jayhawk teams going from one year to the next where you'll see guys that didn't get a lot of minutes previously, but they're able to kind of build and, and develop while they're sitting on the bench. So a guy like KJ or Zach Clement being able to go up against McCormick in practice all the time, going up against all the other guys that they do have in practice that they go up against. Like it's definitely, going to help them going into next year. You're going to see, I think, some of those big gains for those guys next year. Um, and, and I can guarantee there's going to be at least one player who's going to take a big jump from this this year to next year. They're going to be like, well, where'd that come from? And you can point directly to what they've done in practice. Um, you know, I, I don't know that we will ever kind of find out all of them um, and what they have all done, but I can guarantee you that there's definitely at least a few people um, you know, that were, that were contributing pretty well to the development of a guy like Ochai or David McCormick or any of those guys. Um, I would be interested at some point to kind of hear about that. Of course, you know, it doesn't always come out that way. Um, but I'm sure we'll, we'll hear quite a bit more as more and more people write books and, and talk about what happened here or we get, you know, candid interviews from guys after they're done. So, all right. Um, before we wrap up for the day, anything, anything else that really kind of jumps out to you from either the football team or the basketball team? I mean, just uh, it'll be interesting to watch this next month or really less than a month to see uh, what Christian and John ultimately decide to do. And, uh, you know, if they do leave one or both or none, uh, you know, who Kansas goes after in the portal. So I guess, you know, it's interesting is, you know, yet to come. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, uh, Jordan, before we get out of here, where, where can the people find your work online? Yeah, at the Topeka Capital Journal's website. I think it's CJ Online. I think it's the – URL or uh, whatever it is, but you know, also, you know, I got a Twitter so you can go there and, and see where, uh, see where it's at. But yeah, a lot of places online, social media, Facebook, you know, there's yeah, a lot of, of course. Places. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for jumping on. Um, and thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please to go out wh- wherever you get your podcast, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out. To give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. If not, for whatever reason, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. You can also you know, leave us a voicemail over at Anchor because we are on the Anchor platform. If you go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, you can actually leave us a question, a comment, 
anything like that, I promise we'll get it on the show. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, there's like 10, 10 different podcasts right now that are covering them all. They all do fantastic work. Go over on Twitter at TEN12Network, and you can get links to all the shows that we have there. But uh, that's going to do it for us today. Make sure you visit our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. But, Jordan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone family podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss each week on the Cyclone family podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.